Roll for initiative. Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. LARP, MASH, everything in between. Tabletop. Tabletop. All Ew, I, I'm confused on what MASH is. Are we oh, getting... wait, wait, no. That uh, was the TV show. It was the Jason, show. this is why people say that this podcast is better than they thought it'd be. I mean, it is better than expected. <laughs> I mean, every time I listen to an episode, I'm surprised. We're not better gamers than you. We just all have different experiences to share. <laughs> Maybe we can help you have more fun at your game. Because the only way to win at a role-playing game is, is to have, have fun. fun. I'm Ryan. I'm the curmudgeon. And joining me, as always, is the legend, Carrie. That's me. And Jason, the favorite. That's right. Also the one who's in crippling pain this week. Because I thought Carrie was getting too much attention. Thanks. <laughs> She's like, oh, my shoulder hurts. I'm like, mine's going to hurt twice as much. Uh, yeah, How about that? Sure. Wait till next week when my shoulder starts acting up. Yeah, only because we break it. <laughs> oh. Well, before we get into gaming, let's talk for a minute about our uh, Patreon. So we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast, mm-hmm. And folks can go there. And pledge to give just a few dollars every month, and that gives us uh, the ability to keep the show on the air. I've started giving out as opposed to my phone number. Really? Yeah. <laughs> if you want to contact me, just get on my Patreon. Is that why we're getting it's all those bill collectors? Dollars. Yeah, like we keep getting messages about your student loans. Oh, I just claim I'm dead then. Oh. <laughs> Trust me, when I went to college, they wouldn't loan me shit. <laughs> Our Patreon backers get free stuff. They get postcards and shout-outs, and we mm-hmm. roast their characters and books right. and prints and all sorts of things. You can check it out. We've got a character roast coming up soon, we too. We do. Joel Eastland is about to get his character roasted Ooh. probably next week. Yeah. Ooh, all right. So he's also the first backer for us to talk about. Oh, I like Joel. Yeah. He's yeah. my friend. Yeah. All right. Who else backs us on Patreon? Ryan. Who's my favorite Ryan? <laughs> Me? No, Ryan Martin. Oh. Uh, until the check clears. And, well, yes. And then Ryan Martin may have uh, another Ryan. A new contender. There's oh. a new contender for favorite Ryan oh. coming up. We've also got Drew Stevens. Yes. He can be my favorite Drew. Yeah? Yeah. That's nice. We yeah. drew upon his experience before. Oh. Uh, uh, okay. What about Lost Colonies LARP? I, oh. I like Joe's my favorite Joe. He's your favorite Joe? He's my yeah. favorite Joe. What about Noah Coltrip? I don't know. What about Noah Coltrip? I don't know. I'm out of stuff. You're out of, you stuff? Out of okay, stuff? Okay, Noah. We need more stuff. Yeah. yeah come on, Noah. That joke only went like six episodes. Six episodes. <laughs> we, can, we can ride a dead horse for miles. Yeah. Just watch us. Oh. Uh, and, and who's last but not least? My favorite, Sarah. <laughs> well, if you'd like a shout out, we'd love to give you one and you can get it by helping us keep the show on the air by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash podcast. And for our Canadian friends, you can get a shout out. Okay. All right. Well, when last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were right here at this table recording a podcast. Uh, Carrie's struggling. Well, Jason, what's new? What's new? Uh, Let's see. I your shoulder hurts. My shoulder does hurt, but that's not really new. That's more of a recurring problem. You, You know. You know. What that's like? It's an old, is it an old football injury? No, I've never played with an old football. That's I can't imagine that you've ever done anything sport like. That's weird that you would say that. No, you're not very sportsmanshipy. I'm not very sportsmanlike. No. Well, Dad always said that you can win, we go. or you can play fair, and that's all you got. Those are your options. <laughs> he also taught me that you can get out of a sack from the inside, full of rocks, while underwater. That's how you learn to swim. At least that's what he told me. Carrie, what's new with you? Um, not that. <laughs> now, I mean, I've been doing art. I'm cleaning up the studio. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm hopefully going to... Our studio's supposed to be messy. You know, I keep telling myself that, but when it's cleaned up, I get more done. So that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know. Because when a cluttered room makes a cluttered mind. Oh my God, Isn't shut that the hell up. Is that how it's supposed to work, though? Would you want an empty room to make an empty mind? Yes. 
Uh, oh my gosh, I would love to have an empty room. <laughs> <laughs> You're, this room is full of your I'd be crap. So at peace. <laughs> so at peace. You oh would God. have it full of organized dust bunnies by the end of the day, right? Uh, they would all have numbers on them because it was the the collectible dust yeah. bunnies. <laughs> Matt would just show up. Uh, I'm Dust yeah. Bunny. <laughs> Limited edition. Limited edition. God. How's your Twitch channel going? It's going. Yeah. I mean, I you know. I haven't been able to get on lately. I'm sorry. I know. My numbers have crashed because of it. Well, what I usually do when I'm at home and I realize is I log every electronic device <laughs> that is connected to the internet onto your Twitch channel. Yeah, I think it only counts as one, but that's okay. We, no, I, we keep getting tons of fake accounts. We keep getting phone calls at patreon.com slash honorable podcast. <laughs> and they're like, Jason, where are you? Why aren't you on the Twitch stream? Well, I've told them that they have to donate $5 to find out where I'm at. Right. Oh, my. <laughs> at, at the $200 Patreon level, I will give you a daily alert when I'm driving to work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's almost worth it. <laughs> Uh, what have you been doing, Ryan? You know, this week has been weird because Dakota just left for yeah. Chicago to spend two weeks with Grandma. Yep. Right? I remember the last time that happened at my house. That you know, Dakota that left? No, we stopped at his house on the way to Grandma's. That's true. Oh, yeah, yeah. we did. Uh, the other thing is Thursday, the day that this podcast premieres, is my birthday. Mm-hmm. And so that's exciting. Happy hey. early birthday. Yeah. You'll finally be able to get that discount at Hardee's. Yeah, I've moved up a census bracket. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm moving, from, I'm moving from 44 to 45. Yeah, that, that, that is a leap bumps there. Bumps me into... You know, the beauty of moving to the 45 is now companies don't give a shit about what you think anymore. Right, that's true. You're out of the demographic. They Man. don't care. Yeah. They're going to stop making movies for me now. No, the problem is all the people who make movies are our age now. That's why all the movies we watched with a kid when we were kids are now movies again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other day I was like, wait, I remember. So, okay, when I was a kid, Dad was wa- listening to a commercial on the radio. And he goes, this is a song that used to play all the time when I was a kid and I loved it. And then we got to talking about it and he realized that there was a 20-year lag on the things that he liked and then them being commercialized yeah. again. Right. And that's true. All the stuff I liked in from fifteen to twenty is now popular again. Transformers, Ninja Turtles, Shira, yeah, Lion all King that stuff. Lion King, <laughs> yeah. We took Dakota to go see Lion King, and I don't There's remember such weird reviews. What I hear weird. Reviews. Yeah, what yeah. Did she think I felt like the first half of the movie was not as good as the cartoon, and the second half was as good as the cartoon. What high praise? It shows. <laughs> look, this movie checks in. When Timon and Pumbaa yeah. arrive. Do they sing? Oh, yeah. They're it, great. They're uh, great. They, they're great. They are. They are on par with the cartoon. So, to be fair, though, what did Dakota think? She's the No, kid. she loved it. The whole thing? Yeah, absolutely. Although, I will say, she at the only point that she leaned over and went, this isn't as good as the cartoon, was Scar's song. I heard that yeah. he dropped the ball. He, it did. They completely dropped yeah. the ball on Scar's Like, I heard song. the actor was good. Just but can't sing. He, he just can't sing, and well, so like he it's could, not that he's a bad singer. They just didn't have him sing at all. Yeah, like he like did like a weird spoken word thing. Oh, they no, that's not they good. changed a bunch of the lyrics. Yeah, and so like he's halfway through it before you realize that it's the song. It's the right. song, and yeah, it, it, so that was weird. They took out all of the kind of military really Nazi theme. sold it it sold the scene well, right because you were like so oh scary. these are scary the, and the terrifying he's a fascist the, that's the right oh. <laughs> and they took all of that out and like Dakota kept like like she I mean in the movie leaned over and was whispering how this didn't feel right scary scar needs to be scary yeah um but she but besides that she really liked everything about it um, but what I was started to say, what was so funny though, was that I can't remember what she said to Ryan as we were getting our popcorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he turned around, looked at her, and went, "Hey, this isn't my first premiere Lion King night." <laughs> and it was so funny because she just looked at him like, "What?" And then the guy behind the counter laughed really loud. Oh, that's yeah. good. Who I don't know, Ryan, if you noticed, he had the he had a fake scar on his face. Did really? you see that? I didn't. Yeah, he did. It was like real subtle cosplay. Nice. I like it. I yeah, like it was it. clear, clever. 
Or it was real and it was badass. Uh, yeah, and then, or it was real and I'm just. He might have been the horrible. most badass concession movie worker ever. <laughs> All right. They are a tough breed. It yeah. is, it is. All right, let's go to combat rounds. <laughs> Welcome to Combat Rounds. Whew, that Today, was an amazing intro. It was an amazing <laughs> intro. Today, we are talking with a very special guest. Uh, her name is Lucia, and Lucia, she makes dice. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Lucia it has a, a dice company she calls Monstrous Incantations. Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, about your dice? I uh, handmade dice. I, um, I'm also branching out into a couple of other things like apparel and I'm trying to write my own book right now. Um, and I'm also trying to manufacture some dice here soon. Um, but my main thing is handmade dice and it's my biggest, probably biggest passion and biggest point for everybody to come join me in the little community that I have. So that's what I do. Tell us where 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 is your community? Where can folks find you? We'll ask again at the um, end, but I am probably most active on Twitter, which um, you can find me at the handle m underscore incantation, or um, Instagram. It's the full monstrous incantation. Facebook is also monstrous incantation. Online, my website is monstrousincantation.com. Awesome. And we'll put links up in the, the show notes on our website that, that folks can find them at as well. That's so, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, Lu- Lucia, tell us, why did you start making dice? It's kind of funny. Monsters, Monsters Incantation, before I started making dice, was actually, I was making monster-themed jewelry. Oh, that's so cool. I was hand, I was hand sculpting, um, like beholders and you know different things to make into necklace charms i started making jewelry and kind of the whole point was like within the community that i had played with a lot of people didn't think that i knew what D was or that i played at all because yeah i don't know i don't know if it was because i was you know younger or if i was like the only girl in the room or what it was but there was just not a lot of recognition, I guess. So I started making necklaces because I would wear, like, the beholder or um, whatever it was to conventions or even to, like, the local gaming stores, and they wouldn't try to explain to me what dice were. (laughs) 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 And I didn't play. And then um, I was doing something one night and I was like why is it that I can't get a d20 with like a skull in it or I can't get one with like a dinosaur in it or like I want dice with like something in it and I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find anything and so I was actually um, talking with my mom and she was like well maybe you should look into um using like a resin because um she had worked with it before in tables and things like that and i was like oh that's a good idea and then i started looking and that's where i found other handmade dice creators and so i got really inspired and i think within the next couple of weeks i had like ordered all the material (laughs) didn't really have any idea what i was doing and at that stage it was still like kind of a niche, whereas I feel like it's more popular now. (laughs) That's amazing. I'm very interested in getting dinosaur dice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I knew that. Now now we have something to do with all those baby teeth that we all save of our kids. Uh, We have nothing to do with them. People have asked me to do that before. They're like, I've never, I've never heard somebody call them milk teeth until they asked me to put it inside a die, and I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to touch your kids' teeth. Right. It's a little creepy. (laughs) Look, it's not worth doing if it's not a little creepy. That may be true. Yeah. Yeah. But I I have done some things where people will send me memorabilia that they want inside of their dice. Like, um, I had this very sweet commissioner who asked me to put her 
Shark Teeth collection or part of it into some dice for her and I made them really beach themed and she was like, oh my gosh, like, I remember collecting these with my dad and now like I can play D&D with them. So it was really sweet. So. That's awesome. It's great. Yeah. You said that you are a handmade dice maker and that you are ex- you are looking to get into manufactured dice. What yes. what is the difference? Ooh. Um well there's there's quite a big quite a big difference. The handmade dice are I pour all of them myself and I paint all of the numbers myself. I sand them, cap them. Basically anything that goes into it, I had a hand in. Whereas the manufactured dice Right now, the process is basically, um, I reached out to a manufacturer and I told them I want these colors, I want this kind of glitter, and I want um, this ink color. And they basically pour everything for you. So instead of them coming out of my studio, they get made in China and then they're shipped to my studio where I package them out for. So Uh, you're moving more into design as opposed to the manufacturing. Yes, the the like I said, the handmade dice are very personal. Um, they're very, you know, every single one of them I have to paint, I have to sand, I have to clear coat and pour. Whereas the manufactured ones, I design them and they manufacture them for. What is the allure to move from the handmade to the manufactured? Is it just time, time. and simplicity? <laughs> Yeah, the, well, there are a couple of things because um, I still love making handmade dice and I I won't stop um, because of getting things manufactured. But the appeal of it was that a lot of people either um, couldn't afford to pay for handmade dice because they are more costly because there's a lot more time. There's, you know, like I said, a lot more. They're labor intensive. Um, to them, whereas the the manufactured ones, I can offer them for a more affordable price, and I can do more at a time, so that more people feel like they have access to me as a creator, essentially. So that's kind of the appeal there. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we are. Uh, I'm personally am, am very interested in learning to make my own set of dice because I feel like that's, uh, you know, I'm not looking to sell dice. I just want to make a, a, I want to roll dice that I made. There's something really neat about that. I'm curious. uh, Is it hard? (laughs) Um, I would say that the, the basics of it aren't necessarily hard. Um, it's more, there's a lot of, time that goes into it because the the pouring process so when when you make dice at home you're either you're making them with a a type of resin usually um so that would be there are usually two types that dice makers use i use epoxy resin because i find it more sturdy and i like the cure times on it better but uv resin is the kind where you just pour it and then you put it under a uh like the lamp that you see at uh, nail studios, like right. a very blue kind of light. Those things aren't too hard, like pouring it into the silicone molds. You can get silicone molds on Etsy or online. Um, you can make your own. Um, I get mine from a private creator. I basically send him dice that I want molds of, and he sends them back, um, which is also a nice thing for him because, you know, it means that he's getting paid and everything like that. So that part's not too hard. Pouring the epoxy resin, um, it's the after part. I have a couple of technical questions about molding with epoxy. I haven't, I've never done dyes, but I've, uh, I've watched a lot of people do molds and I've got some friends who are big into it. Do you have to use a vacuum chamber or anything like that for yours? Or you just pour really thin? Maybe, maybe we should just start at the beginning of how you make a die. Yeah, could you go through it step by step? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts with, uh, with I guess, a mold, right? Well, doesn't yeah. it start farther back than that? You make some sort of blank, uh, a, 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 a template. You, do you carve out a die, or what do you do? Um, well... To make your positive. People, when they start making dies, um, we'll use, like, a very generic brand that okay. doesn't have any sort of 
copyright tied to it if you're selling. So the the actual dye that you make the that you make the silicone mold from because right. you have to you have to base it off of something. I'm currently trying to transition into having my own what they call masters, which is yes. the dyes that you or the dice that you make all of your molds from so that all of them have the same font, the same shape. Um, some people do sharp edges. I prefer soft edges. Um, so things like that. And then after you cast your silicone mold, which again, I don't know too much about the silicone mold process because I don't make mine. Um, but I know a lot of people do at home. Um, after you have a silicone mold, I definitely would recommend some type of mold release um, because silicone is a really soft material. What is a what is a mold release? Mold release. It's like pan. The best way that I can explain it is if you um, if you bake cookies and you don't want them to stick to the the sheet or the cooking sheet, you spray like a cooking spray. And so for mold. Mold release, it's kind of the same idea. It's like the Pam version. <laughs> so you're you're greasing you're greasing it. Yeah, okay. it, it's kind of like that, but um, you have to do it in a well ventilated area. You can't really do it in your kitchen. <laughs> right. So this is like a carport thing. We need to be outside. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those like open all the windows, turn the fan on, wear a mask. You know, um, and everybody's epoxy is different. Some. Some epoxies are, there's like a resin and then you add a hardener, uh, I believe it's called a catalyst, where it's like a certain amount of drops. Like two, um, two, chemi- two chemicals that go together to make it get yeah. hard. Kind of like, uh, um, it's kind of like some super glues. Yeah. Okay. So, well, it's epoxy. Uh, some, some resins are, I believe it's like poly... Probably something, and that's the kind that I really don't recommend to people because it smells really bad. <laughs> it's kind of like walking into a nail salon and dyeing your hair with like the really cheap ammonia stuff. <laughs> it smells really bad, um, and it's I've heard it's a lot more difficult to work with. So um, I always recommend to people that either go with the UV resin or with the um, two-part epoxy resin. So mine is a one-to-one ratio, so you mix it evenly, and then you know you add your glitter or your colorants, and then you pour it into your silicone mold. And then I transfer mine into a pressure pot, which is not, um, not the same thing as like the thing you cook in. It's a, basically a modified um, spray paint tank. So the one that I got is from Harbor Freight. Um, that's where most people get theirs, and you have to change out some of the uh, pipings and things like that. But I put them in there. Is that is the, that expensive? The one from Harbor Freight is about a hundred dollars. Okay. And then doing the pipe additives on top is isn't that expensive? It was kind of expensive for me because I kept buying the wrong ones. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was at that point where I was like, I'm not going to return it because I was so irritated with it. Right. For me, it was a business investment. Right. So to me, it wasn't too expensive. But for people who, you know, see it as a hobby, then it definitely can be. Yeah. So that's a lot of money for one set of dye. It's not a lot of money to make a hundred set of dye. And you can definitely make dice without the pressure pot. And there are ways, basically what the pressure pot does is eliminate all of the bubbles because resin is very prone to having little bubbles in it. And so what it does is it essentially um, pressurizes all of them so that they're so teeny, teeny, tiny that you can't even see them. And are you able to do more than one die at a time? Oh, yeah. I'll probably do about two sets and then a couple of extra depending on how much resin I mix up that night. Okay, so this pot is is large. It's, um... About the same size as a pressure cooker, or bigger? It's a little bit bigger, but it's definitely one of those things where if you want to put more than, like, a set in, you'd have to get, like, little shelves for it or something. <laughs> sure. So, so, so it goes it goes into the this pressure pot, and how, long, yes. how long-ish how long does it hang out? Overnight or a few hours? 
I'm really, <laughs> I have a really poor schedule, so I always cast mine really late at night, and then I'll <laughs> turn it on, and I'll leave it on overnight. Okay. A lot of people put theirs up to, like, 60 PSI. I think that's way too much. I put mine in about 30 or 40, and it's fine. Because I know that some people are kind of, they don't like the Harbor Fright pressure pots because they they can explode or whatever, but mine's never done that. Does it not have a safety valve? You, you definitely have to make sure that you, you, know, you screw on the arms really well. Don't overpressurize it, but I don't set mine that high. Jason, so. Jason asked, does it not have a safety valve? Or is that something you took it off? Does. Okay. Uh, okay. It has like a, you know, but I guess for some people, they the tops will blow off, and I think also um, heat has something to do with it sometimes. Sure. But, but you know that happens to people with pressure cookers on their stove, though. You see all those internet pictures, yeah, the, yeah. the lids, it's, you know, frisbeed yeah. into the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> it can be, it can be kind of scary. Like I remember filling it up for the first time, and it was like, because um, my mom is. She's the handyman of, you know, my life. And so I was like, am I doing this right? And she was like, yeah, just don't set it super high right away. So (laughs) I haven't had any issues with it. All right. I have a weird question. Besides it exploding, is there some kind of, if you pressurize your dice too much, like what happens to them? Like, are the dice fine? Like, does, do they melt? Do they? I'm not. I'm not sure what would happen if the pot exploded. Well, <laughs> but for for what it does, I think some people have problems with their pressure pots when they don't fill their dice enough. And then what happens is that when you pressurize it, all of the all of the air basically gets pushed out of it, and so it can kind of sink in your mold a little bit. And then it's lopsided. Yeah. Okay. Um, but for me, I always try and make sure that I still, no matter what, have minimal bubbles when actually mixing so that all the pressure pot is really doing is getting rid of the look of them instead right. of the actual air. I, I think um, as long as your dice have enough time to cure inside of it, you, I haven't had any problems with it being smeared inside the pressure pot. So you've used a silicone mold. You've you've sprayed it with with Pam, <laughs> not actually Pam, but poured your, you've poured your. <laughs> oh, resin, we're using right? Pam. You've, <laughs> you've poured your resin inside, and you've you've cooked you've <laughs> cooked it in your pressure pot. Right. So right. it's it's the next morning. Uh, yeah. You open that thing up, and and they're done. Uh no. <laughs> so you know, with the pressure pot, you have to release the air with the valve. Right. And then um, I'll unscrew it, take the dice out, and they're still in the silicone mold, so you have to kind of pop them out um, the same way that you would with, like, the old ice cube trays kind of thing. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You have to be a little bit careful because, like I said, the silicone can be really delicate. Is it a one-part um, or two-part mold? The molds that I use are a two-section mold. Okay. And so... Like there's a top half and a bottom half? Yes. I was just picturing so, you squeezing that big tie 20 out of there somehow with just one <laughs> tiny triangle for an opening. <laughs> yeah, there there are different ways to do it. Some people do um, where it's just like a straw, essentially, and then they just sand off like a little, um, like it's almost like the D20 has like an arm or something. Yeah, and right. So they just snip it off and kind of sand it. My... Uh, mold artist he recommended that I do squish molds which is where the whole die is basically already cast and then you just push a little stamp into it for the final number so there'll be like a like on a d6 for example the six will be missing and then you'll kind of press like a little silicone top onto it that'll put the six in there but I know uh, when I was first starting, I was using open face molds, which is where one of them is just blank. And that's why for a lot of my dice, um, they had like a moon or a star because it was the empty side. Right. You take them out and they're really pretty. Those are usually the pictures that I post of the works in progress where it's just the blank die. You can see what's inside them. And then I'll paint them. 
And well, if there's any sanding that needs to be done, you sand them down. So you're and you're sanding off like the the seams where like the the mold yeah. comes together. The the ones that I have now, the, the molds the, with the stamp, they'll usually create kind of like a rim around the face of the mold, and so you kind of have to trim that off and sand it just a teeny bit. Um, it sounds a lot like putting a model together. <laughs> the yeah. way like your model pieces end up with the little plastic tab nubs that you have to kind of the sprues. Yeah, so those those don't require as much sanding. Um, but if you were using like a open face mold, which I was using, and you had to fill the one side, then you'd have to put it through another resin casting where you basically cap it. And then you would have to sand down that face so that it was flat to match the rest of the die. And then if you had the sprue molds, then you would sand off the sprue. So you use, what is the type of mold that you said you use? It's called a squish mold. Okay. Um, I have, I, again, I have no idea how to assemble one, but I know that there are uh, YouTube video tutorials on how to do it. Okay. I would definitely recommend for anybody who wanted to get into making dice to join. Um, it's a Facebook group, and it's called the Dice Making Discoveries group on Facebook. And basically their only rule is that if you're a dice creator who sells, you don't self-promote in there, which mm-hmm. is completely understandable. Um, and any question that you have, somebody will probably answer you in about 30 <laughs> Super helpful. Even... With me making them for as long as I have been, which isn't even really that long, I'll still go in there and be like, does this work? Or (laughs) can I do this? And somebody's like, no, you can. Or yeah, you can. So So I I interact with them a lot. They're very helpful. After you you trim any of the seams or anything like that and you, uh, you, you sand it down, I'm assuming that that's all done very carefully by hand, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. Uh, Once that's sanded down... Like, do you then have to, to buff where you sanded or polish it or anything? Yeah, um, I do, at least. Um, the, you know, the sandpaper, it, it gets, like, you can get really fine sandpaper where it won't leave any of those, like, white lines, streaks on it. Um, but then you usually still kind of have, like, a cloudy surface. Mm-hmm. Some finishes out there that you can use that are for, like, um, actual resin jewelry or for gems. Um, the one I use is for car headlights. <laughs> Fair. So, whatever works. Right, right. Um, I would just say that the only thing about sanding is that you have to be kind of careful because if you get it too hot, you can actually mess it up more than fix it. So you want to make sure that it stays pretty room temperature to cold while you're sanding. Resin is still plastic and it will melt. Right. Yeah. So you sand it by hand or use an electric tool or something like that? If If it's a big enough, like, offspring or whatever it is, I'll use a Dremel and kind of just go in and take off most of it. And then I'll do the finishing by hand. Okay. I like the control of it. It's probably not going to get too hot if you're doing it with your hands. Yeah, it's a lot more, um, I feel like I have a lot more uh, attention to it. I can really see what I'm doing. Right. And a Dremel will cut right through your finger. (laughs) Yes. And you will bleed everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Dremels are um, great tools, but you definitely have to be really careful with them. Yeah. Do you, do you just hold the die in your hand, or do you have, like, a some sort of, like, stand or something that you would sit it on? Yeah, I, uh, I usually just have it in between my pointer and my thumb, and I'll have the sandpaper kind of folded over my fingers on the other hand, and I'll just sit there and wow. buff it out. <laughs> the next step, I guess, is you have to color the indentations that are the numbers, right? Yes. That's usually a pretty simple process, um, but it does kind of take a while because you have to do every single number. Depending on what kind of color I want or what kind of finish I want, sometimes I know some people use nail polish. Um, I've used it with pretty good success. I just don't like the cleanup as much. I know some people use jelly uh, roll-on pens, like the kind that you had in school and like the yeah. Me, I'll usually just use like a craft acrylic paint. Once I'm finished, I'll 
polish it and it'll seal it all in there. Right. So when you're when you're finished with that, then you said that there's like a clear coat that you put on it so it gets shiny. Yeah, the polish mostly does that, um, but for some of them, I'll use like a like a varnish basically, and it's like the really heavy duty stuff, so it doesn't just. Right. Wipe right off. <laughs> is that a spray-on product, a wipe-on, or what um, do you do? I don't like the spray-on ones because I find that it's really easy for it to cause dripping. Right. Um, so I brush it on myself, and then I'll take the Dremel and I'll buff it again so that you don't have, like, the lines. Okay. Yeah. Neat. So that's the kind that I use anyway. And that's the, the last step? Yeah. Most of the the individualizing, the, the customizing, it sounds like comes from uh, comes at the either the the molding part with you know getting a silicone mold that is you know in some way personalized, or with the the resin part where you're mixing in your pigment stuff. Yeah. It sounds like for the casual user, just get molds from somewhere and and not worry too much about it. <laughs> yeah, I would say that if you're just wanting to try it out, there are plenty of people on Etsy who make dice molds. Uh, if you're just looking to roll them at you know your table or in your own sessions at home, then for sure. As a as when I was starting to see if I could actually do it, I ordered mine off Etsy just to make sure that I knew what I was doing. Right. <laughs> and then once I really got comfortable with it, I invested in better molds. But yeah, for sure. And the ones on the ones that I got on Etsy, I believe they were from Warcaster Molds on Etsy. And the artist who makes those is wonderful. I had a problem with one of them, and they were super quick to fix it for me. And they're they're really quality. I I got a lot of dice out of them before I. You know they have to retire eventually. Right. Just, about know, how many use? About how many uses do you get out of a mold? It kind of depends on what you put in them. I found that using they call it petri dish. It's a kind of technique with alcohol inks where you try and get it to like drip through to kind of make like a long swirl in the center of the die. Um, I found that those take my molds out faster than <laughs> right, if I yeah. were to mix it in completely. But I would say maybe 20 to 30 uses. Wow. So yeah. for the casual hobbyist, even if you are hard on the molds, you're going to get a few sets out of them and be fine. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And if you're using mold release, then you're more likely to get more use out of them than if you don't. Yeah, I would say I would say about that that many and then you can you can kind of push it past then but you'll probably have some extra sanding and finishing to do afterwards for the for the folks who make their own molds and i know that you said that you don't do that uh yeah i, I have no idea <laughs> but do you i'm just curious where they get the the original positive die like do you do you think they just buy one do they and they carve on it or is it uh do they make them out of clay themselves or 3d print them usually the masters are dice that don't have like a specific font so it's a very generic looking font there there's some dice makers who will just use like your standard chessic set and it doesn't really it doesn't really matter <laughs> um, but I know that for me my masters that have my font on them are going to come from my manufacturer and I'll send those to my mold guy. But for people at home, I also am getting the same font made into like the, the 30 millimeter D20. Right. And um, I'm commissioning a 3D printer. Okay. So you can also do those things. I know some people will get, um, they'll cast like a blank and then they'll hand carve the numbers onto it, which you can also do by engraving them. Um, so that's kind of where you, you would start. But if you're just making them for at home in your own games, then you could definitely use right. dice that were already out there. Now you said all of the color and swirls and glitters and stuff, that all happens with the, the resin when you're pouring it into the mold. Yeah, um, is, usually. Is first, um, so the resin is normally clear? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
The kind that um, most uh, handmade dice makers, they'll use a clear. But then you add color to it and what or whatever you want? There are plenty of resources out there for ways that you can color it. Um, the classic, I think, is alcohol ink, which gives you a really, um, like, a clear pigment. So you, it's kind of like looking at, like, a stained glass. Right. Or um, you can use a pigment. Um, you can even use, like, eyeshadow because they're just powders. Yeah. Um, and those will give you those will give you really nice color, but they won't give you the same kind of see through look that an alcohol will. Um, and then you can you can stick glitter in there, you can stick gold flake in there. What's the weirdest thing you've ever put in a dye? Um, so many weird things. It's hard to choose. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure like if things that I've put in dice are considered weird. I know that there are some designs that people are kind of, that makes them uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell. Um, That's awesome. When I I was first starting, the whole thing that I really wanted to do was I I sculpt with a type of clay and I would put my own sculptures inside of my die. Oh, neat. That's clever. Yeah. I did a set, um, that had, I hand sculpted a bunch of teeth. I like it. And I (laughs) put them in there on top of like a really dark red color. So they were very bloody and gross. Um, I did one, it was inspired by uh, The Witcher 3. If you're familiar with um, the Noon Wraiths, they're basically these women who like lose their bottom jaw and I sculpted something inspired by it and I mm. put that inside a die. Um, Would this be standard size die? So it'd be a tiny sculpture? Well, these were the bigger ones I put in uh, like a 25 millimeter to 30 millimeter. All right. Okay. So, so for our listeners, when you buy the chess X set of D and D dice, what mm-hmm. millimeter size is that? Just the basic die size. I believe there's 16 to 20. So this okay. is almost half again bigger. Almost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the the larger die that I use uh, are quite heftier. Right. So. That's I cool. Would say, I would say that the usual D20s, like if you're thinking about um, in relation to like coins, like US coins, mm-hmm. um, I would say that the normal D20s are like any quarter size and the ones that I use for like um, the larger sculptures are like is it a half dollar? Yeah. 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 If you can find yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. I haven't well, seen so one in years. A little bit bigger. That's cool. I want teeth dice. Yeah, yeah teeth dice is very cool. Sing carry a link to the teeth dice. <laughs> yeah, and I guarantee you the next time she gets a painting sold, you'll have a set of dice <laughs> sold. <laughs> I'm curious. How do you get the tooth to stay in the center? Um, there are a couple of ways to do it, but I find that usually if you just pour it, let it cure like halfway, and then you set the thing on top and then cure again. But it's also kind of tricky because you have to catch it where it's in like a gel state and not completely cured. Sure. Otherwise, they won't bond together. So you're basically filling it halfway. Letting yep. it letting it cure partway so it's just thick enough that that tooth will sit on it. Yeah. Okay. And then you pour the other half in and cure yeah. it the rest of the way. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Do you find <laughs> do, do you find that that uh, makes a difference? That I mean, let's talk about balance for a minute. Do you, do you so handmade dice? I think it's going to be more difficult as a general statement to make them perfectly balanced, right? But do you find, are they unbalanced enough that it's problematic in gaming? I always disclose that my dice are never perfectly balanced because if, if I were to test every single one of them, I would, I would never finish them. (laughs) Right, right. And I, and you're not the only one I've, like I said, I've looked at a at a few handmade dice folks just for this show and almost all of them say that. Right. Yeah. I'm often dungeon mastering. I've made my players, um, the D twenties with 
sculptures in them, which usually do tend to kind of throw them a certain way. Right. And when you're actually playing, it doesn't make that much of a difference, at least from my experience. And most people who do buy my dice are like, yeah, I use them in game and you can't really. Yeah. You can't even really tell. I went yeah. through I went through a magic phase, not the card game, but actually like, you know, prestidigitation, you know, <laughs> ledger domain uh, <laughs> when I was a kid. And I was never any good at it, but I had, uh, uh, I, I think it was a D6. And uh, it was slightly loaded? It was, it was loaded. Yeah. It was a loaded die. And the truth is, if you, if someone says this die is weighted so it always rolls six, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, because for 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 it to influence the die roll that much to always come up a six, they're weighted pretty good, and yeah. and so I would think that the opposite is true with with a handmade die that it's not so off centered that it's going to make that much difference in your play. Right. Yeah. And you know, talking about if you know the charm or whatever it is inside sits a certain way. It, it would have to be heavy enough to sway it between it going from your hand to the table. Right. So if you're if you're purchasing a, a D20 from me that has something in it, it is probably a little swayed, but it's not like you can feel it in your hand like, oh, it's going to land on this side. Right. right. I, I've also – I also read in my research for this that uh, – that using a die tower will actually take away a lot of of imbalance in a dice because uh, it's about how num- the number of times the die actually topples as opposed to how it lands and rolls. Okay, and yeah. so so you get a random topple count as opposed yeah. to as opposed to the weight making a difference because the I guess when you've got a weighted die. Uh, or an unbalanced die, where the most difference occurs is as it rolls the last foot on the table. That makes sense. Not in the drop. The the only time I've ever played with somebody with die that were crooked, the they weren't loaded. They were. They just uh, always rolled ones. <laughs> no, no, no. It was better than that. They didn't have all the right numbers on them. <laughs> And so what? You, you can't tell. You just pick it up. You know, like here's a die six. Oh, well, there's there's some numbers, and they're like, well, I got a five again, and then you realize they've got two fives. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, I uh, I had a player who brought a d six to roll stats for. Um, it was going to be a long form campaign, and he rolled, and he kept getting either a two or a six, and so I was like. Well, and it was three sides were the full six, and then the three other sides were twos. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, wow. this one was, they were actually die tens, and so, you know, a lot of stuff used to use low percentages, like you yeah. want to roll under something, and right. so it had, like, two, the 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 one through nine die was fine, or zero through nine die was fine. The, the, the other one was, like, ten, ten, twenty, twenty, thirty. Wow. Ugh. So it, if you just looked at it, it took even the guy when he figured it out. It took him a minute to find that yeah. it was wrong because they all they distributed it pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's That's like, crazy. well, that looks like the right sides, and you flip it over, and you're like, well, these look. Wait a minute, these two sides are identical. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, start start to finish. It sounds like it. If you were to actually put some time into it, you can make a a die in in a couple days. But they won't have hand-carved magnificent charms in them, <laughs> unless yeah, you order them from her. Or like, if you just wanted um, something with a certain kind of glitter or a certain kind of color, or you know, I really like this one that I have, but I wish I had this, and so I'm going to try and recreate it, but I'm going to add it or I'm going to take something away. It's definitely like a, you know, a couple of days. Right. Do you will your manufactured dice have your charms in them? Is that possible? The, the hand sculpted ones, probably not. Okay. Uh, but for certain things that might be able to be more easily recreatable, you maybe could. Like, okay. um, are you planning on it? That was really more my question. I would like 
to see if I can get them as customizable as I can. But manufacturers overseas are a little tough because you're you kind of are like, okay, can I put this and this and this in there? And they're like, well, why would we do all that when we could just do like this? And it's like because that's not what people want. <laughs> so it's kind of um, at least that's kind of how it was with a couple of manufacturers. But my manufacturer now is very like, yeah, we can do it that way, but it might look like this. So right. there, are, there are things that they can accomplish. It's just a little bit more difficult because they're doing it on such a big scale. Right. Do you have any advice that you would like to give to first-time dye makers like, I don't know, me? <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say um, keep your resin pretty warm. Even before you mix it, I think it's a really good tip to keep them separately because with mine it's a two-part ratio. So um, at least with epoxies, if you warm up the components before you pour them together, that really helps. By warm up, do you mean like you throw them in the microwave? No. (laughs) (laughs) You don't put them in the microwave. (laughs) It's kind of like styrofoam, right? I think they would release them to do that. Sure. So like warm water bath or upset Like a warm water bath? Yeah. Just make sure that you don't get any water in them because that can also really mess you up. Um, I would say make sure that you're getting your measurements as close as you can because if there's like any discrepancy, it won't cure properly. Is that by volume or by weight? Or is it different by the epoxy? The, I think it, I think it can depend on your epoxy. Um, but mine, I just use like a measuring cup. So if I do half a cup of this, I'll do a half a cup of that. Okay. Right. The other thing that I would really say is no matter what kind of material that you're using for dice, you should be in a well-ventilated area and you should probably have at least a mask on and like a window open. Is that because I'm so um, ugly that nobody should look at me? <laughs> like I have a, I have a pretty pretty cool werewolf mask I could wear while I do it. <laughs> it's just for some resins the the smell can be really bad. For mine, it's not the smell. It's if you know if you're heating it up or when you mix it, it can be toxic. And if you're allergic, which thankfully I'm not, right? Um, but if you are, you can have some really serious reactions to mm-hmm. it if you're not super careful. Yeah. So, which gloves, a mask, you know, those kind of things. Like you should definitely be suiting up before you cast. Right. So, what kind of mask do you use? Because um, I know I there's a use, ton of variation. I use like a, um, I use like one of the fancier cloth kind of masks with like the the filter through it. Right. Um, but if when I start doing more volumes, I'll have like a full uh, respirator on. Okay. Um, but also, I work in a pretty well ventilated studio, so I don't experience as much of those things. Um, but I, I'm myself with how many I do. I'm going to invest in a full respirator, and I would recommend that if you do it a lot, you should too. Right question we didn't ask is where do you get resin you can get it from hobby lobby i think it's called easy cast i know some people use it um i get mine online um i know that is is there a uh, brand you'd recommend i would say any kind that people usually would use to like seal a table not make a table but like seal a table right um because that's the resin that i used your they have like they send you a whole pamphlet on how to finish your table with it. <laughs> so, so it's I almost think, it's a po- I bet polyurethane is the other material then. Yes, that's what it is. And yeah, that I, one is. I know that because polyurethane is what I sealed my gaming table with. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, it, and it smells. <laughs> it, yeah, it's really stinky and it's, it's hard to work with. with. Yeah, yeah. So, so I would definitely. Definitely recommend it. Awesome. What is it with dice? What, you know, my I have a friend, uh, Jared. He's been on this show. He helped us with the marketing episode. 
And Jared, after he did our show, he has found. But you need to specify, Jared's not a gamer. Never played anything Anything. at all before. He's a works in marketing, and he came on our show, and we talked about marketing. And uh, he has found a Dungeons and Dragons group that has invited him. Right. And so he's going to play for the very first time. And he was asking me, "What kind of dice do I get?" And and I told him, you know, you need this the basic seven set, you know. And I told him what they were. And he was very excited and said, oh, so I can just order them on Amazon. And I laughed and I said, no, you can't just order them on Amazon. You have to go to a store and look at them because which set you pick is important. It matters. You know, and he was like, oh, whatever, that's dumb. And and so anyway, eventually I, I got him to go to our local store, Dicehead. Uh, I think the selling point was the fact that a chess X set costs the same at your local gaming store as it does on Amazon. Uh, it's, it's one of the few things that local gaming stores can still compete with yeah. on price. And he went there and thought that I was just being dumb. And all of a sudden, I got this text from him that had a photo of two different die sets. And he said, I love them both so much, I just bought them both. <laughs> and he's not even played yet. <laughs> it was funny because the next day, he started telling me about the character he was making. Uh, he's building a character that has a sailing background. Right. And one of the dice he bought has all these seafoam colors. And so he's excited because that die set is going to be for that character. Right. And, all the- and he's not played yet. And, and it was just funny because they're a thing. Clearly a thing, you know? Right. And and what do you what do you think causes that? Why do you think people care about their dice like that? I mean, people have thousands of dice. They only need one set. For me, and I think for a lot of people that kind of have the same like obsession with them, it's like when you go to those stores where they have just like a big like tub of rocks, right? Whatever it is. And you just like you're just like, can I just stick my hands in it and just like, you know, rustle around? Because I remember when I was really little, and we would go to the Disney store, and they always had like a treasure chest on the wall, and they were filled with the really cheap like cabochons that were like these big plastic gems, and they were in all these different colors, and the backing on it was like silver. And they were, you could buy them in bulk from, like, Michael's for, like, $2. And <laughs> at the Disney store, I had to just touch all of them. And I'm sure every kid that came in after me had to do the same thing. And that's, and just, that's the bird flu. <laughs> <laughs> I remember asking my mom all the time, I was like, can you just get me a bag of these plastic gems and she's like no you don't need them what are you gonna do with them and I was like I'm gonna put them in my pocket and then every once in a while I'll just pull them out and look at them or I'll pull them around and I think it's like this weird like the way that kind of the way that people are kind of like they like ASMR or they like I don't know like flipping quarters between their fingers or just like that weird almost like raven or crow like obsession with these like little shiny things. <laughs> I, <laughs> and I, I mean, like my my community who are into the handmade dice, it's also this thing where you're getting two things. One of which is you're supporting somebody directly. So you know I know that this die was cast and then sanded and painted and finished and packaged by somebody who really loves their craft, who isn't, you know, this big company that I'm giving my money to. Like, this is an individual and I'm helping them. And it's also, like, there are only so many dice that one person can make at a time. And so for some handmade dice makers, they'll do, like, 30 pre-orders at a time and then they'll fulfill them within the next couple of weeks. Um, But that's still only 30 of those dice sets in existence. Right. And so for that, I think it's also kind of this, like, you're never going to have a set like this at the table unless you get two for your other player there. Right. And my dice sets are usually, I only put up one at a time because it's like all I can manage. 
And I think people really also like the idea of nobody will ever have a set like this. So basically a patron of the arts. Yeah. You're kind of, yeah. And it's this very, like, personal relationship with these little pieces of plastic that you have. <laughs> I always feel like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> you want to dive. Lot, when there's a lot of dice around. Hi. You just want to put your hands in it and run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dice are kind of like, uh, um, like some, some people buy shoes. Yeah. You can only wear one at a time. Right. But you still have to have a closet filled with two them. pair of them at a and, time, though. And for, for I think for people who play role playing games, it's kind of like that. Like you can only use one one set at a time, but you want to have all of them. Right. Yeah. And I think too, like a lot of people will get them because they have a character who perfectly matches this color or whatever. Right. You know, in LARP, costumes are a big thing, and I wonder if maybe, like, our dice are our costume when we're tabletopping. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would say it's one of those. And, and I, you know, I think the trend that started now with making your own dice, I think some of that is uh, a, a testament to, to millennial behavior. When millennials decide that they love coffee, right, they get into roasting their own beans and doing all these artisanal things with, like, you know, cold pressing and doing it all themselves. Every and, aspect. And then they do the same thing with beer. They get into the craft beers and then they right. brew, brew their own mead and they do those things. And I think that I think that the same thing is now happening with the, with those folks who, who are, have those same mentalities. They're applying it to their gaming. They have, they've bought all these dice, and now they want to craft it themselves. I think it's so neat. Yeah. You know, like you're saying, the millennial behavior. I've talked to some people who have been playing TTRPG for a while, and when they were playing growing up, your community was who you were at the table with. Whereas now, you know, there are conventions, there are online forums, there are shows about it, and I think for like the modern craft like dice it's kind of one of those things where i think people really latch on to these things that they love so much because there's so much buzz about them and because so many people are talking about them and it's not as inaccessible as it used to be yeah that's awesome well uh what was the name of the facebook group that that people can get advice from it is called the Dice Making Discoveries Group okay. on Facebook. And then where can folks find you at again, Lucia? They can find me at Monstrous Incantation on both Facebook and Instagram and M underscore Incantation on Twitter and MonstrousIncantation.com. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you sharing your expertise. It's been really fun. I'm a little sad that... Uh, that you lived so close to us and we didn't know it, and know. and now you're leaving. <laughs> I know it. Could you put off moving for about a year? <laughs> Come we, hang out with us. We really need a DM. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've been talking about how much we all want to play, but we've just come off five years of storytelling straight, and we're all a little burned out. <laughs> so we, we... I was... I ran a campaign for about two years consecutively until people were like, we just can't make it anymore. And I was like, okay, well let's end it. So there's at least a finale. Right. Maybe uh, at some point when, when you get your apparel line going or your, uh, your book finished, maybe you can come back and we can talk a little bit more about those things. Yeah, for sure. I would love to. Great. Well, thank you again so much, Lucia. We really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. And we hope that uh, lots of people will will come like you on Facebook and... uh, The Twitter. And on the Twitters. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. You guys will definitely have to keep in touch so that we can keep up with what each other is doing. Absolutely. (laughs) You're definitely going to hear from us when we screw up our first dice. Yeah. 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 We're going to be like, what did we do? (laughs) Why why does it look melty? All right. Thank you, Lucia. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Let's go to Game Wrap. Welcome to Game Wrap. Wow, that was a great interview. It was super cool. It was fun. It put Carrie to sleep. It did. I'm sorry. No, it was super fun. Yeah. It, it's We've run a little late tonight as far as like 
not length of episode, but how long it's taken us to get everything together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Jason, really, really fast. You right. had a crazy story about a guy who had his had Okay, okay so uh, years ago, I used to play Warhammer a whole bunch. Right. You know? uh, and so the one of their lead designers at the time was also a Napoleonic Wars, uh, what do you call it, reenactor. As one does. As one does. And he had his hand blown off while, while loading a cannon. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the cannons aren't real. Like, they don't there's, fire. There's no cannonball, but there's, there's real gunpowder. Right, yeah. and whatever it was, there was some mistake or something, and it blew his hand off. Uh, he had he had to have it amputated. He couldn't couldn't save it. And uh, But I he think, did save it. But he did save the hand. He had him, he <laughs> saved all the pieces. Could you which, just imagine that? Just put that on ice for yeah, me. Just, I, just, well, not ice. I need the rest of that to go. I just need uh, the bones. Can I, can I get had, that to go? Yeah, because he had them made into a custom set of dice. His finger oh. bones. His finger bones and maybe some more. I, I, it, I read this when I was 20, but I was so blown away with the idea. So was he. Yes. Oh. I kept thinking, if I am ever in a tragic accident... You're going to get a to-go box. I, I'm definitely taking anything they take out of my body with me and that getting it made into dice. That is crazy. Yeah. <sighs> That's awesome, though. All right. You can find us at honorrollpodcast.com, on Twitter, at honorrollpodcast. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, anywhere else that you listen to all your stuffs. Facebook. Facebook.com slash honorrollpodcast or facebook.com slash groups slash honorrollpodcast. Uh, and, of course, you can find us at my house. I want to give a big shout out. We have a friend named Cosmo, and Cosmo is really awesome. Yes. And they are super cool. Yes. They are in Chicago and hooked us up with Lucia, connected us. Cosmo is kind of involved in the die making commu- dice making community. I think Cosmo is a fan of it. Right. Cosmo yeah. doesn't actually make dice, but yes. he's friends with all of them. So Right? Yeah. So anyway, so huge shout out. Thank you, Cosmo. For Thank you, Cosmo. Lucia. It was really cool. Everybody should go follow Lucia. Uh, Jason, you get 105 experience points Thank today. You. That's 100 points for your participation in the episode, and then one for each finger of the severed hand. No. What? I'm just saying. That's I'm important. just saying. Carrie, you get 106 experience oh. points. She so, does have six fingers on her left hand. That's it's a, true. It's 100 for uh, participating and one extra XP for each side of your favorite die. Aww. Your favorite yeah. dies is six. It wasn't, but now okay. it is, I guess. You should have got 125. I know, right? I know. What? I feel like I failed at XP. Uh, oh, no, it's okay. But you had fun with it. Yeah. I just decided just now, next next season, Jason gives XP. Oh, oh boy. Oh. Oh. Maybe not. Zero XP for everyone. <laughs> not XP for you. Uh. All right, well, join us next week when our topic is, what's a podcast? Hello? <laughs> Are you hearing this? Anyone? Hello? We're not remaking our first episode. Oh, <laughs> maybe we should. Until Ugh. next time, I'm the curmudgeon. Uh, I'm here with Carrie the legend, Jason the favorite. Remember, the only way to win at a role-playing game is to have fun. Is to get revenge. Uh, to have fun. Oh my gosh. What are you playing? Well, revenge? I don't know. No, <laughs> no, no. and opinions expressed on the Honor Roll podcast belong to just those who are here on the podcast and nobody else. All of the music is courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com.